Morning, everybody. Good to see you. If we have not met, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at Fieldstone. Um, I want to start off by asking you this. Have you ever uh, delivered a joke or given a presentation or preached a sermon or given your kids some instructions and they look back at you and you realize they're not getting it? It didn't land well, right? Like you had those moments where just something didn't work. I, I know with Kathy, uh, she does a lot of coaching. And she always comes home with stories of some of these younger kids who, who she'll give them instructions and tell them what to do. And, okay, when you get out there, I want you to do this and guard this person and go here. And they kind of look back like, <laughs> what? And they have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. And, and I'm sure you guys have had those moments uh, if you've raised kids or if you are raising kids where you give them specific instructions about how things are supposed to go and what you want them to do and what, maybe sometimes what you want them to stop doing and then they go off and five minutes later they're doing that exact thing or they're doing it wrong. You're like, what did I just say? I don't know. Right? You have those moments where it just doesn't land. Uh, I know uh, one uh, moment sticks out in particular, uh, not with my kids but with other people's kids. Uh, we were taking about 100 teenagers, middle school and high school, to a Tigers game down at Comerica Park. And so we're kind of giving them instructions before we left, before we get in the vans, like, all right, here, here's your uh, van number, here's your van buddy, here's your van driver, this is how we want you to get to the vans, this is how we want you to sit in the vans, here's how we want you to arrive in the vans. When we get there, here's how we're going to walk to the park together, here's how we're going to act in the park. Don't go to the bathroom alone, don't buy a bunch of stuff you can't afford. So all these different instructions for what's happening, and I look at them and I can see in their eyes... I don't think they're grasping the urgency of this situation, right? Like, they're not inside my head enough. So I said, all right, listen, stop. Everybody stop. Don't eat anything. Don't drink anything. I just want you to look at me. We're going to the Tigers game, and there are people in this world who want to hurt you, and they want to steal you. Not steal from you. They want to steal you, and some of those people will be at the game with us tonight. And they look, and I saw the exact look I wanted to see, like, oh. And then I proceeded with the instructions, because they understood the urgency of the situation. We're going to Detroit, people. No, and, and, and I love Detroit. I'm going to Detroit tomorrow night. Uh, but I needed these 12 and 13-year-olds to understand that there are people in this world who don't care about them the way I cared about them. So, we, so they, they just, you know, sometimes people get it, and sometimes uh, they don't get it, and sometimes they get it, but they don't necessarily apply it through the right lens. So I, I remember when I was younger, um, uh, you've heard me talk about, we were in church all the time, my dad was a pastor, and there was this one particular class that my mom was helping teach, um, and I was like four or five years old, and as a family, they, they were trying to raise us to kind of understand the importance of prayer and how to be respectful during prayer. So it's the whole fold your hands and close your eyes and bow your head and that whole thing. And so they were trying to get us to capture the importance of that. So I totally understood and decided based on that that it was my job to make sure that the other kids understood as well. So I remember my mom praying to, uh, in this class and I had my eyes open, and this kid, J.D., didn't have his eyes closed. And so as soon as she said amen, I said, Mom, J.D. had his eyes open while you were praying. And she said, how'd you know? Because I was looking. <laughs> See, I understood. Like, I knew it was important to be respectful during prayer, but I was kind of taking that truth and applying it all wrong. And I think even as adults, we have those moments where we just don't get it, right? And, and we struggle uh, to get it. And if we do get it, we process it through the, long, the wrong lens or the wrong context, and it gets applied incorrectly. And as we 
As we go into the next part of the Sermon on the Mount, we finally jump into chapter 7. It's almost over. Um, I can see Jesus kind of processing in the hearts and minds of the people that he's teaching to that, okay, I've, I've got their attention, they're hearing me, but I'm not sure that they're processing this truth correctly. And it's almost like, all right, if we don't stop and address this for a second, wisdom of eternal value is going to be lost. And, and, and there's going to have no kingdom impact. They're not going to live this the right way. And people are going to make a mess of this truth. And lo and behold, we have. Like over the centuries, we've taken the things that Jesus has taught. We've, we either haven't gotten it or we've gotten it and applied it incorrectly and just made a mess of it. So Jesus kind of stops here and hits something very important. And that's what we're going to hit today. So Matthew chapter 7 Starting in verse 1, Jesus continues on, and he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so now you're like, oh, that's why they sing that judgment song at the beginning. Verse 3, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Uh, Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So this is a great transition point by Jesus here because he gets to the end of the worry section that we talked about last week and I can almost see him realizing what's going on in the people listening because he's laid the foundation he's done the beatitudes saying hey things are different in my world things are different in my kingdom you thought this was important i say this is important and because things are so different i need you to represent me and the kingdom i need you to be the salt of the earth i need you to be the light of the world i need you to live this and and as you're living it remember it's not about the rules it's not about religion it's not about legalism it's about the heart it's always been about me And he says, as an application of all those things, don't get angry, because odds are it's not righteous anger. All you're doing is murdering their value. You're murdering the image of God that I've placed on them. He says, fight for your marriage, because it's forever. Be someone who keeps their promises. Love your enemies, not just the lovable. Be generous, but worship and pray and give in secret. Have faith. Don't worry. God's got this. He's laying out all of these things, and I can almost... I can almost picture him looking into the hearts and minds of the people listening, and and here's what he sees when he looks in. He sees exactly what you'd see if you looked at the heart and mind of every person who's ever listened to a sermon throughout the history of sermons. I believe he saw us thinking about someone else who needs to hear this sermon, right? Like, I've done it, you've done it, you've probably done it during this series, and maybe you've already done it this morning, like, yeah, judging, somebody needs to hear this, right? Well, and that's what we do, we hear a truth, and we're like, oh man, I wish my sister was here today, she really needed to hear this one, I'm going to send this one to my dad, he really needs this truth, or, oh yeah, get her, Justin, she needed to hear this, are you listening, this is for you. We hear these truths, and our immediate response is to think of it in terms of who else needs to hear this, and this is a natural thing, and I do this, I actually have a rule for myself, um, because some of it is my humanity, some of it is my fallenness, some of it is just the pastor thing where if I'm reading the Bible um, just for my own personal thing, um, I'll see things and my first reaction will be, oh, that would preach good. 
how can I turn that into a sermon? And then I'll think of an illustration that would go with that. And other verses, and like, okay, if I said this, they'd want to tweet that. This could be really good. And so I actually have a rule for myself where if I'm reading and I come across something that I think would be really solid, I can't preach on that for six months just to force myself to process something through my own life because the natural reaction is, oh, yeah, Fieldstone needs to hear this. This is good, right? Like, that's our thing. And so Jesus is getting through this amazing, world-changing teaching. He's talking about family tree transforming truths, and he takes a split second to peek into their hearts, and it's like, oh, my gosh, they're missing it. They're processing this all wrong. This isn't for them. This is for you. Don't take time to judge how they're doing with this. Take time to judge how you're doing with this. Just like me, back as a little kid, like, we want you to understand and respect prayer. Awesome. I'm going to make sure JD is doing that. That's how we handle things. And Jesus has made it clear throughout the sermon, and he stops and makes it clear again. This isn't about you and them. This isn't even about me and them. He says, this is about me and you and what I'm doing in your life, and how you need to receive this truth, and how you need to apply this to your life. What do you need to hear? What do you need to experience? It's not about them. It's not about who else. It's about us, and what he wants to do in our lives. And, and when we process the truth like we do, when we process it through the lens of other people's lives, we miss out on a couple really important things that I want to hit this morning. And the first one is when, when we process it wrong, we miss out on how God truly wants us to view other people. Because our response is to evaluate them and judge what we're seeing in their lives based on the truth that we heard, and he wants something else. See, because when we make a judgment about someone else's life, when we judge their actions or their priorities, their choices, we're making an assessment of who they are and what they're all about and where they stand with God. So we think to ourselves, how, how can they follow Jesus and still act like that? How, how can they claim to know Christ and talk like that? How can they claim to love God and vote like that? How can they be born again and still struggle with the same addiction? But think about what you need to know in order to make an accurate assessment of someone. You need to know what they're doing. You need to know why they're doing it. You need to know the cultural norms and expectations that they're living in and experiencing. You need to know some of the behind-the-scenes uh, circumstances. Okay, are, are they struggling to eat? Is that why they're doing this? Are they covering for another weakness, another insecurity? Are they, are they living under the influence of another authority figure, maybe a parent or a boss that's influencing their behavior? Is there even an alternative to what they're choosing to do or say? We've got to know what God's standard is. Okay? And now there's some things that we can say without a shadow of a doubt. This is what the Bible says. This is black and white. This is the expectation. But a lot of things, our interpretation and the way we grew up and our, our context plays into what we think of what the Bible is saying. So we need to know the unquestioned truth about what God says about the thing that we're judging. In addition to that, we need to know what they've done with Jesus. Because the way we view someone's behavior needs to be different depending on, are they a Christ follower? Are they not? Do they understand, understand Scripture? And so you need to know so many inside things, things that you can't possibly know. And so your judgment is almost always based entirely on outside factors, things that can be seen. But God's made it clear from the beginning. We can go all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 16 where King David is chosen. And they bring out all the brothers and they line them up and they're tall and they're good looking and they're, they're talented and they're well spoken. And Samuel says, they, they, these aren't the guys. Is somebody missing? They bring out David. He's young. 
and he's short, and he hasn't done anything with his life yet. He says, this is the guy, because we look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. And so that's what it's always been about. And so if God cares about the heart, and if it's impossible to judge the outside without knowing the inside, then we need to stop judging the outside and trying to fix the outside. We need to pray for their heart. We need to care for their heart. We need to dig deeper to the, the inner needs and the inner hurts and the inner motivations. What else is there? Those are the needs we need to seek to meet. I had a, um, I've got a friend and, and, and kind of a mentor and, uh, who's always been a bit of a sounding board for me. And uh, there would be times in the past where I just kind of wander into his office and kind of sit down and spill my guts. And he was great about just listening and offering good wisdom and advice. And one of the things that he said, he, he's a licensed counselor as well. Um, and he would, uh, he said, when he talks to married couples in particular, he says, okay, you're in, you're in the midst of some chaos. There's certainly some tension and some issues you're working through. I want you to look past what you see. Look past the husband sitting before you. Look past the wife that's sitting before you. And think about who they are at their core, down to their, their purest form, even, even who they were as a kid. What were their needs? What were their desires? What, what made them hurt? What made them thrive? Meet those needs. See to that person, not, not the the person with the rough edges before you. Who are they at their core? And that's, that's all of us. That's every relationship. That's every person. There's something behind the exterior. There are needs that we can't see, and those are the needs that need to be met. That's what we're called to experience. And when we take, when we take the outside things and we take truths that we've heard and we've experienced and immediately apply that to someone else, we're missing out on the inner person, the inner heart that God wants us to see and meet the needs of. So that's the first thing that we miss out on. The second thing, when we take those truths and immediately put them on somebody else, we're missing out on what God wants to do in your life, what he wants to do in you. So we we read uh, those first few verses. I'm going to hit verses three to five again. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And he kind of repeats that in verse 5, says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, so certainly it hits the hypocrite part, right? Like, that's, that would be a fun thing. Like, we could do a whole sermon on hypocrites and stuff like that. But really, I'm seeing something more there where I think the most important thing that's required for making a healthy evaluation of others, if a judgment needs to be made, we have to have a healthy heart and soul and life, and a healthy relationship with Christ, because that's where the healthy judgments come from. It's easier to judge what's healthy if you are healthy, right? Because if you're healthy, your heart and mind are clearer to interpret Scripture and hear from God and, and evaluate based on that. And if, if you hold some moral high ground, your opinion all of a sudden is a little bit more important. And people are more likely to respect your thoughts on life if your life is in order. And people are more likely... Uh, uh, to, to have their heart and soul's needs met if your soul is healthy. And so that's where, that's where it begins. And all those things are great. And what I see here uh, is, is 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, where Paul is writing this letter and he's, and he's doing his ministry and he, and he kind of boils it down to an important truth here where in the midst of everything else, he says, follow my example. This is 1 Corinthians 11.1. Uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul's challenge for himself was, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be the best believer I can be. I'm going to live out the truths of the kingdom to the best of my ability. And as I do that, watch me and follow me and follow my example. And so if you want people to change, 
You want the people in your life to feel convicted about something? You want, you want people to tap into the wisdom of God? You need to pursue Christ. You need to live by example. You need to live according to that wisdom. And that's found in being more and more like Christ. Because when we're more and more like Christ, all of a sudden we can see with his eyes. And we can feel with his heart. And we can judge with his wisdom. And that's going to be way different than if we see and feel and judge on our own. And in addition to that, as, as you become more like Christ, you're going to start to be more aware of your weaknesses and the areas in your life where you need to get stronger. And your desire to do so is going to increase. And you'll find a better balance between truth and grace. And you'll find a better balance between discipline and patience. And all of a sudden, your greatest encouragement, your greatest source of conviction in someone else's life is going to be the way that you experience life in Christ. And so pursue the heart and the life and the growth and the wisdom that God has called you to and then allow his work in your life to be the thing that impacts others' lives. So while we're doing that, there are times when we need to speak up, right? There, there are times where we, we see something in, in a fellow believer's life, in a family member's life, in a friend's life where we really feel compelled that something needs to be said. And so just real quick this morning, some things that I would consider before taking the step to actually vocalize something that we're seeing in someone's life, before we take a truth that we've heard and experienced and put that into someone else's context. First thing I'd encourage you to do is read scripture and listen to sermons and receive truth like it's a message for you. Because it is. It's for you. Give yourself time to process that truth before you challenge someone else with it. Have you applied it to your life? Have you found any areas in your life that require repentance or forgiveness or change or growth? Have you taken the time to experience the truth in your own life before immediately seeing the need for it in someone else's life? The call is to be as much like Jesus as possible. And that quest, that process may completely change your perspective on someone else's life and what they need to hear. It might rethink your plans to address it in their life. You need to make sure that you've experienced your own judgment before you place judgment on someone else. Second thing I'd encourage you to do is make sure that you're viewing other people's weaknesses and failures through the lens of your own weakness and failures. Because it's easy to look out and say, oh man, they're struggling with this. We need to address that. But the, their struggle just might be different than your struggle. And so think about the things that you've struggled with and the things uh, that you've had to address in your life or maybe still addressing in your life. So before you cast a quick judgment on them and what they need to hear, make sure that you're thinking things through in the way that you have been experiencing. So if you're, before you address someone else, think about... When you're weak and when you're wrong and when you've messed up, how do you want to be approached? How do you want to be looked at? How do you want to be talked to? What tone would you want to hear? What would be the most encouraging to you? What would be the thing that would be most likely that you would respond to if you were being challenged? And then process that in the way that you address them. Now, what if the person doesn't even know Jesus? There's an, there's an interesting passage in uh, Proverbs, um, and I hate it because it's a little bit contradictory, but it's... Um, there's a point to it. So Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. 
So, hey, this person has an issue. You better address this issue because if you don't, they're going to think they're right. Hold on. You better not address this issue or you're going to get brought into the same trap. You're going to be just as foolish as them. And you're like, well, which one do you want me to do? Here's the reality. Someone who doesn't know God isn't capable of processing biblical wisdom without his influence. And so sometimes you're darned if you do and you're darned if you don't. In some cases, it doesn't matter how right you are. It doesn't matter how black and white scripture might be. In some cases, it doesn't matter how right you are, how you communicate it, how loving you are, it's not going to be received well. It's not going to be handled well. It's not going to be repeated well. It's not going to be practiced well. And when it comes to the fallen, broken, foolish, lost people of this world, it's not your job to fix them. It's your job to love them and be an example, and be an encouragement. And that's where uh, verse 6 comes in, in the, in the Matthew passage of the pearls to swine. Now, he's not saying that lost people are pigs. It's just an example that when you try to throw wisdom and truth in the direction of someone who can't process it, it's pearls thrown at someone who doesn't know how to handle them. Now, that doesn't mean we're not supposed to hold each other accountable, especially within the body of Christ, within a church. In the body of Christ, we're supposed to challenge each other and sharpen each other. There is truth. There is a life and there is a kingdom standard that we've been called to. There is a call to protect the church. And the application of truth is what leads to, to health and growth and freedom. That's an important thing. But we have to embrace that difficult balance between truth and grace. Because there are times when we need to be willing to leave the 99 for the sake of the one. But at the same time, there are times where we need to protect the 99 from the rebellion of one. And so it's some give and take. But in the midst of that, we have to always remember that any obedience that we have in our lives, any newness that we've experienced, any, any freedom that we have from our own weaknesses and sin is only a reality because of the grace that we've already experienced from Christ in our lives. It's not because we've done anything special. It's because we've received a gift. And so that's what we need to keep in mind as we're processing with other people. And so then the third thing I'd say is if you need to have a conversation... If you need to challenge someone, I would encourage you to, to ask God to start the conversation before you get there, and then you can join in when it's time. Remember, this is Jesus working on you and letting Jesus work on them. And God does involve us in his work. We know that with prayer. We know that with evangelism. We're, God's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to reach who he wants to reach, but he's invited us into that process. He wants to be a part of it with him. And so if in your obedience, in, uh, in your growth, in your pursuit of truth in your own life, in his wisdom, in his truth, if you feel compelled to reach out, put that conversation, put that confrontation at the feet of Jesus. Ask him to begin the work in their heart before you even get there, especially if it's a brother or sister in Christ, and ask him then to clearly and miraculously invite you into the process that he's already begun. So that when you get there, when that conversation starts, he's already been having the conversation with them. And you're just another step in the process. Because remember, it's all about Jesus. It's about his will and his power and his work, all for his glory. That has to be our aim in this. The band's going to come and, and close us out with a song. This is a tough topic, right? This, this is a difficult way to live out the kingdom because it goes so against our natural response to life. But an important thing to consider in all this is it all begins 
with that first moment of realizing that this Jesus thing that you hear at church or you read about in the Bible or you hear your parents or grandparents harp about you on or family members or friends, there has to be a moment where you realize that this is about you and Jesus. And so many of us, different points in our lives, maybe even you now, spend time thinking, that's for someone else. That's for religious people. That's for my grandparents. That's for my friends. That's for whoever. That's not for me, but it is for you. The truth of the gospel that God sent Jesus to live and then die for us and then rose again so that we could be free from sin and death, that's the truth. And that's not just for them. That's for you. You have to experience your own moment, moment between you and Jesus, where you confess and admit, God, I believe you. I trust what you say. I want you in my life. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes, I want to pray with you. And um, I look out and I see a lot of people I know really well and some people I'm seeing for the first time and everybody in between. And so I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what your heart looks like. I can see you on the outside every single week. I can look at you and see the outside and I can talk to you and hear some of your surface issues on a Sunday morning, but I don't know where your heart is with Jesus, but you do and he does. So in this moment, maybe this is a chance for you in the quietness of your heart to say, God, I need you in my life. God, I've tried to live good. I've tried to be good. I've tried to measure up to a standard, but I'm just not there and I God, I turn my heart over to you. I turn my life over to you. God, I believe Jesus came. I believe he died. And I believe he rose again. And from this day forward, I want to spend my life living that truth and believing that truth and expressing that truth through my life, through my actions, and through my words. I love you. In Jesus' name. Let's stand, and, and we're going to sing uh, one more song, and it, it's called None, and, and really it kind of draws attention to that fact that in the midst of a world where there's one being in this universe that has the right to cast judgment on us, but instead of doing so, he chose to make it possible for us to be completely forgiven and unjudgeable. And when he covers us, he doesn't see something worth judging. He doesn't see something that falls short. He sees Jesus and his blood covering everything that we've ever done and so we sing to him because there is no one like him mm. there's no one who has accomplished what he has accomplished there's no one who can take care of us like he does it's him and him alone let's sing <laughs>